Good morning, church. It's such a privilege for me to be here. Uh, as Jerry was telling you, uh, I met him a couple of years ago in this uh, retreat yeah, that Grace Partnership did in the coast of Colombia. It was such a great time. It was the first time for me as a pastor to be in a place like that, uh, just sharing. Uh, uh, we were able to, uh, you know, have ask Jerry lots of questions about church, about things. And, and it was such a blessing to have uh, the guys there. So for me, it's a privilege to be here. As he was telling you, my name is Eduardo Ferguson. I, I, I live in a, in a town in the coast of Colombia called Rio Hacha. Nothing like he said. He said like, <laughs> he said like Ocho Rio or something. But I mean, I'll, well, he tried. And, <laughs> and uh, I've been a pastor there for around nine years now. Uh, our church is called... Uh, Vida en su palabra, which stands for life in, in his word. And as he, as he was mentioning, I, I work with the Gospel Coalition in Spanish. I'm a coordinator for translation, so all the resources that we translate from other ministries there, uh, I usually do that. So, uh, but as you notice, English is my second language, so uh, you're going to grasp some mistakes here and there. Just don't tell me. Just pretend that I'm doing great. Yeah. <laughs> And, 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 I, and I'll do it. So, okay, let's go to the word in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. I'm just going to read that part, so, and, and then we're going to pray in Matthew 28, 18 through, through verse 20. And, and it says, and, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to share with these dear brothers and sisters and to be reminded of your truth, of your commandments. Uh, I'll ask you to help me to communicate what you have here for, for us today, that you give us this, this amazement, this awe, this, this sense of urgency, this sense of, of, of being reminded of the things that you're expecting your people to do as a church. So I ask you to, in spite of my limitations, that you bless your church today, that we're able to see the glories and the greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning, we ask in his name. Amen. Uh, one of the things that I remind uh, my church often is how familiarity becomes an issue. It's, it's a problem. So I live in the coast. The beach is right there. So it's just like a couple of minutes drive. It's literally right there. So sometimes when somebody from, the, you know, from Bogota or the other cities in the country that doesn't have uh, a beach goes there and, and they see it, they're, they're always like, wow. And I'm like, oh, man, it's just, it's just a beach. <laughs> It's, there's no, you know, but it's because I've been growing up with them all the time there. So that happened to us, too. So a, a, a text like this, we already know about it. We already hear, like, thousands of sermons, and everybody knows about the Great Commission. So uh, one, of the, one of the things that I'm proposing myself and, and that I hope that this sermon can do to you this morning is giving you a sense of amazement, a sense of, okay, look what the Lord is, is telling us there about himself, and about the task that he wanted us as a church to do. So that's my prayer, that this passage, by the work of the Spirit of God, awaken our hearts with a renewed seal as a church 
to make disciples. That's, that's why I, uh, the title that I put to this sermon is uh, the, the Commission of a Resurrected King. So let me tell you a little bit about the context there. So in Matthew 28, verse 10, it says that Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Uh, he, he, just, he, he resurrected that. He told them that he was going to, and he set this meeting with them. And then in verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And then, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So although they were amazed that they were seeing the Lord alive after the crucifixion, uh, you know, he, he was raised from the dead, they, they worshipped him, but, but some of them, they were still, still doubting. Still, I mean, when you read that, it's kind of amazing, see? Because all, all of the things they have saw up to that point, but still, some of them doubted. So has he, has he gathered his disciples on this mountain? Has he, uh, you know, since he's meeting them there, he starts talking to them. And he, the, the way he speaks to them, he starts not with a command, but with a declaration. He's going to tell them something about him, about what he accomplished with his death and resurrection. And it says in verse 18, we're already, and Jesus came and say to them, this is the first thing that, that, that we see that, that he said to them in this encounter. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what I want us to do this morning is just to focus on all the alls in our passage. Because we see that he has given all authority for us to go in all nations to teach all of his commandments. He is going to be with, all, with us always. So let's, let's see all authority first. We can note in, in verse 18 that all authority has been given to him. That's the, that's the way he, he starts. Jesus came and said to them, all authority and in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So you know, every time we're told to do something, the question that comes up is, who is telling me? Who, uh, the, where does this come from? If you are a student, it's not the same thing if, the, if a classmate tells you something, to do something, if it's the principal or, or if the teacher. You know? So where is this coming from? Is this something that, I, that, I, that we really have to do? Well, through the Gospel of Matthew, he's been, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ has been calling himself the son of man. And all the time that the, relig- uh, the Pharisees and all of the religious leaders, he, they, they understand what he was saying when he was referring to himself as the son of, of man. Yeah, he said that the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. The son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. And when he uses this language, all authority has been given to me, everyone will immediately think of that passage in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 uh, to 14. So the idea is for, for the disciples to think about this. And let's read it. Daniel 7, 13 to 14 say, And I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. 
So this son of man that we see, that the Daniel can, uh, can see in this vision, was able to approach God. That's amazing. If you remember some of the other visions in the Old Testament, like for example, the one that Isaiah has in Isaiah 6, you have all these heavenly creatures around the throne of God, but they cannot approach. They're even covering his fa their faces. Because the one that is in the throne is holy, holy, holy. But in the vision that Daniel is having, he's seeing this son of man, somebody like, like a man who is able to approach God. And why can he approach God? Well, because he is God. He has, all, he has been given all dominion, authority. He's the one who has all authority. And, and like Pastor Jill was telling us uh, a, a, a moment ago, the way he uses his authority Because you remember when he was arrested and all that, and, and, and then it came this moment with, with Herod, I think, said, why do you even speak to me? You don't know that I have the authority to let you go? And he said, do you only have the authority that my father has given you? I mean, and you see that in the other, in other part of the, of the gospel, he say, I'm, I'm laying my life, and I can take that, and I can take them back immediately. That's the kind of king that we have. How is it possible then for someone to claim to have all authority? Well, he is called truly the king of kings. Lord of lords. He has absolute authority. He's the only one who has complete authority. You must realize that there is only one authority. Sometimes we mistakenly say, some people say, you know, You have to make Jesus the Lord of your life. No, he's already Lord of everything. Amen. You don't go and give him permission to do it. <laughs> God has already given him authority. So you, people just have two options. You either rebel or submit. But he is Lord. He has all the authority. And that's one of the things that he was showing In his ministry of earth. You can see how he displayed his authority over what? Where over sickness? Over demons? Even over nature. Have you think about that? How, how when, when we, you know, when we think about Jesus walking on water, we always, it wasn't like he was just, you know, riding a, a steel. It, it was a storm. And he was there walking on, on that water. And when he was sleeping and the disciples were freaking out, Lord, we're going to die. And then he just goes there calmly and say, stop. And immediately everything obeys. It's like when the disciples, you maybe don't think about that, but when the disciples were able to catch, you know, many, many, many fish. You remember that? We say, Lord, we've been working all day and we are the fishermen. You, you know about wood and all that. And he said, no, throw your net again. And so what, what I picture that happened is that it's like, you know, some fishes were like, hey, the Lord is calling. Let's go. <laughs> Let's be in that story, you know. So all these fishes came there and they were able. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. we're going to be featured in the Bible. So you can see how, how the Lord Jesus Christ shows that he has authority over everything. And over death with his resurrection. He has authority over our lives. And the way he uses his authority is to give us life. You see, uh, Psalm 
110 verses 1 through 3 said, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the wound of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. So, Jesus is telling to these doubting disciples, and even the ones who were, you know, worship him, he's saying, he's saying, guys, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. And you see, scripture often does this. Before it commands us to do anything, it first reminds us what the Lord has done for us to be able to do it. Because apart from him, how does that end in English? I don't, I don't know. Apart from him, that, that, yeah, that was, I was expecting for you to tell me, guys. Come on. <laughs> Come on, help me preach here. <laughs> yes, apart from him, we can't do nothing. So, Jesus' authority is what moves us to go. It's what moves us to obey his voice. But not as those that are forced to go. Like, yeah, we have to go because, you know, he has all authority and we need to do this because then he gets mad or something like that. No. It's because of his infinite worth. That is why drives us to go. There's nothing that we can do that will be, you know, like, he, he deserves everything that we can do towards his kingdom. He's worthy of that. It's like, it's like what we read in Revelations 5. 9 through 10, when it says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you, as we were singing, to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So look at what, the, what, what they're saying. You are worried. You are worried because of what you did. You ransomed a people. And we are that people that were ransomed. You see this language in the scripture about, about redemption, about, about ransom. Because we were slaves. So in, to, for you to be a slave in, in that time, it, it, it can happen in three different ways. You could be born in, in, in slavery because your mom and dad were already a slave. Or you have a, a debt that you could not pay, and then you sold yourself as a slave. Or a tier way will be that your country was in war with another country, and the other country won, and your country lose, and then you're made a slave. So think about that. The scripture said that we were born in sin. But also tell us that we have a debt that we cannot pay. And it also says that we've been conquered, apart from Christ, we've, we've been conquered by sin. And Jesus tells us in, in John 8 that the one who sins is what? A slave of sin. We desperately needed to be ransomed. We desperately needed to be rescued. And, this, and that's what we're reading here. Worthy are you, for you were slain and by your blood. That's what we were ransomed with. By your blood, you ransom people for God from every nation and tribe and, and people 
And you have made them, not, not only you have ransomed, you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. So what I'm trying to, to tell you here is that we go because he's worthy. He has ransomed us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for our God. And we're going to reign with him. So he's worthy for us as a church to look to fulfill his great commission. So he has, he has been given all authority on heaven and on earth. And second of all, let's, let's, let's look for a minute that he has authority over all nations. Matthew 28, verses, verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So for centuries in the Old Testament, God has been building his kingdom through the people of Israel. Now it is through all the nations of the earth, as it was promised to Abraham. It's through your seed. All nations will be blessed. And then Paul explains this. It, it were not seeds. It was a seed. It was someone. Specifically being our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the greatest blessing to the nation. He has been enthroned by his resurrection. And has authority over all nations. He is the son of man who came. Not to be served. But to serve. So by announcing that he is king of the nations and that it is time for all to come to him, he is a blessing to the nations. And I have to be reminded that these, these nations are given to him. When you read Psalm chapter 2, verses 6 and 8, say, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today have, I have begotten you. And verse 8 says, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. So we have this messianic picture about the son talking to the father, and he say, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. We have read in James 5.16 that the prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. If the prayer of the righteous is powerful, how effective we think the prayer, the prayer of Jesus is when he asks for the nations? What do you think that happened there? Jesus asked. And the fact that, that I'm here, that, that you are here, is that God has been answering that prayer. The fact that I'm from a country all over there, that you're here you are together praising God, hearing His word. It's because the Father gave the Son the nations. Has been given the Son a people. Nations or peoples that Jesus has already bought. It's like in John 72 says that the Father has given Jesus authority over all flesh, over all people, to give eternal life to all, all, of all, to all whom the Father gives Him. He has the authority over all flesh to give eternal life. So Jesus was given authority over all nations. He has prayed for the nations to come. He has purchased those whom from the nations will come. His dominion over the nation is the most certain thing that there is on the planet. People will come from every tribe, language, and nation. And that is what it needs to encourage us. 
to go and make disciples. This is why the church exists. This commission was given to 11 apostles, yet here we are. Though they work, the gospel was planned and it continues to grow. And where it grows, churches form and churches continue the mission into the place where they are. And churches join each other to extend the mission in other places. That's what we call often uh, missionaries, which plant the gospel and then more churches are, are formed. So Christ has authority over our nation, our, our city. Isn't it amazing that while our Lord could think, uh, the Lord could say, you know, if you have something, we hear this often, you know, we want somebody to do something for us and they're not doing it well. And what was what we think? I'm going to do it myself. But the Lord didn't think of that. He chose people like you and me. So when I think about this, it's like he was telling the devil, I'm going to show you how powerful I am. This is like the proverbial, you know, I'm going to beat you with my hands tied. <laughs> because I'm going to use these people. You're not going to believe it. <laughs> It's to show his power, not our greatness. But it's amazing because he's saying, I have all authority, and I'm inviting you guys to to go forward with this task, with my authority. That's unbelievable. That's amazing. So, in 2 Corinthians 6, we we read this. Paul says, just want to call your attention to that, Working together with Him. Working together with Him. Then we appeal to you not to to receive the grace of God in vain. He has decided that the way He's going to get what He's been given to Him, what what is His by right, is by using churches like this one to get it. We are under a powerful authority. And that's why we trust And that's why we share. And that's why we pray. And that's why we do not give up. He works through his people. He says in Matthew chapter 24 verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. As a testimony to all nations. We are now part of this spiritual battle for the souls of people. And the all-sovereign Son of God, our Savior, is the one who commands us in this commission. One of the things that I see are, is one of the obstacles is like, nowadays, uh, people are getting, you know, more skeptical. People used to believe about Christians that we were just, you know, like outdated or something. But now they think of us like, like we are a threat. So things are changing pretty drastically. And sometimes, I think the, the problem for most, most Christians, and one of the reasons they don't share the gospel with others, is because you don't want to make the conversation awkward. You don't want to make, you know, things uncomfortable. You don't want to, you know, it's like your mind is like, read the room, don't do it, read the room. And that's exactly what we need to overcome. That was the promise. They said, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, but for what purpose? And you shall be my what? witnesses so the power of the holy spirit in us is for us to be witness to overcome all those what's going to think about me what's going to feel about this it doesn't matter (laughs) 
You just, you just share the gospel with them. You, 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 just, you present this, this glorious king who has all authority. And you know that, you know, how do you know how is faithful evangelism? I'm going to tell you what is faithful evangelism. It's sharing the gospel. That's it. Because the results are from him. So what is, how do you know that you're being faithful evangelizing? Because you're evangelizing. <laughs> That's it. You are presenting the gospel as it should be. You're talking about the law. You're talking about how they need a savior. And that if they repent and believe, they can have everlasting life. That's what we do. And, the, and we leave the results to, the, to our Lord. But we obey because he has all authority. It's, it's like when Paul went to Corinth. And he was really afraid because they were threatening to kill him. But he, he had this dream, uh, this vision, and, and the Lord told him, don't be afraid. I have many people there. So he already, Paul already knew, okay, God had many people in Corinth. What did he do? He stayed there for 18 months. So we, we know by Scripture that, the, that our Lord, by his death and resurrection, has called people from every nation and tribe and language. So we go because we know that in our communities, God has people. And He's going to use our, our witness to bring them to life. That's why we do missions. That, that's why we uh, go with this commission. Third, we are told that we go with His authority to all the nations, to make disciples, to teach them what is the content of it. It says, all my commandments. Verse 19 in the, uh, in the first part of verse 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So we receive then, in light of Christ's authority, that authority that he, that he has over all things, we receive a command. Yeah, not a suggestion, not an option. It's not like, I'm going to give you the great suggestion. No, it's the great commission. Yeah? Go and make disciples. And it is a difficult command. But it is addressed to every believer. You know, we sometimes think that it's just aimed to pastors and, and people with some gift. I don't have the, the gift of evangelism. That's a very lame excuse. <laughs> But we, 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 we think like that, you know? Or, or I don't know, I don't have enough time. Dear brothers and sisters, our Lord doesn't, you know, the, 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 His commands are not for those who have, like, oh, if you have free time, <laughs> then you can serve in my kingdom. It doesn't work like that. We're, we, we, can, we can do time. We definitely can do time for the things that are important. So that's, that's the reason it's a difficult command. Because we don't want to be, you know, we don't want the discomfort. We don't want to, to, something to mess up with our plans and with, with our ease. But that was, it was part of the call he made to his first disciples. In Matthew 4, 19, he, he told Peter and his brother, follow me and I will make you, what? Fishers of men. He already had a plan. For them to be used to catch other men. Every disciple must be a disciple maker. And 
What do we do as missionaries? And when, and when I use the word missionaries, I'm talking about all of us. In our text, we, we have an imperative, the commandment, which is to make disciples. And is surrounded by three participles that imply the way in which we make disciples. It talks about going, baptizing, and teaching. So the first thing we must do then is to share the word. We, we talk about the gospel as we live according to the gospel. The Spirit of God lives within the people of God so that we can bear witness of the gospel. And one of the things that I want to call to your attention to is, is that first part that we read about the context when although some disciples worshiping, others doubted. And even you remember Peter when he was, uh, you know, the Lord told him, you're going to, ah, I forgot that word, to deny, to deny. thank you. You're going to deny me three times. And, and, and we read that, that a young lady come to him and ask him, oh, you were with them, and he started to deny it, and he did that three times. But later we see Peter, you know, full of boldness there in Pentecost, you know, he steps up and he preached a powerful sermon. And you can think, well, what, what happened to Peter? He was so scared of that young lady. Maybe he was one of those who were doubting. What happened? What was different? Well, Acts 1a is what happened. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So what happened to the apostles was that the Holy Spirit empowered them, and given the boldness that they needed. So Peter can now stood up and say, this Jesus that you guys killed has been made Lord of everything. He's the Christ. Now you re- and, and people were like, well, what, what should we do? Well, repent and baptize. So what we're, what we're seeing here is that making disciples does not end when people respond to the gospel. But now we read that they need to be baptized. It speaks of the initiation of those disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this is a command. That that is why we baptize and that is why we encourage people to be baptized. I remember, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and I, I... There was a big part of my life where I believed that I was a Christian, but I'm now convinced that it was not. And I remember that that was my excuse. Like, you know, baptism is not necessary for salvation. Why do I need to be baptized? Uh, Well, and the answer is pretty simple. Failure to do so is to live in direct disobedience of this resurrected king, who is the one who is commanded. And and you know, baptism is, is, is a beautiful picture. Is the entry point into discipleship. It's, it's the line one crosses in which they change from, a, from when people, you know, change from being an interesting or seeking person drawn by God to a disciple. It has everything to do with following Jesus on the road to the cross, which is why it is a picture of burial and resurrection. The path of a disciple is one of dying and rising. We die to sin and, ri- and rise to new, to new life. And once we are baptized, we share our life with the community of faith. That is what discipleship is. It's not about taking a class. I don't know if it's, it, it happened here in the States, but in Colombia, when people talk about, uh, you know, I'm going to go to a discipleship, they think about, uh, you know, module one, module two, module three, 
And that's discipleship. That's not all that this discipleship is. It is what happens when we walk together, modeling each other what it's like to follow Christ. That's discipleship. We show each other how to pray, how to study the Word of God, how to grow in Christ, how to lead others to Christ, and that is what the body of, of Christ is for. As we make disciples, we teach them what Jesus commanded. We read again, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So an important part of this commission from the recent king is to teach people, these disciples, to obey him. Have you ever thought about this, that in Romans 1.5, Paul says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations? The obedience of faith. There is an element, of course, of obedience, of getting to know what the Lord wants from us and to obey that. So every Christian is a sent one. That there are people that only, there, there's people that only you can reach. So we have some things to, 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 to consider. Christ has all authority, authority over all nations, authority over all life, and chooses to use us, to use you and me under his authority to gather the nations that are his. But not only we do this in His power or in His authority, but He promises His presence. Look with me, that's my foreign and last, last thought. The promise to be always with us. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, that's good news because it is a big commission. To confront people's unbelief, to tell them that they need a Savior, to tell them that they're in, in a way that leads to condemnation. And to call them to bow down to a new Lord, to deny themselves, that's difficult. But what Jesus says is that he will be present by his spirit with us. So his authority and his presence ensures that this mission will be successful. So when we go, we don't go by ourselves. We don't go in our authority. We don't go with our power. It's about him using his authority, his presence to bring more people to him so after seeing Christ's authority and the need to obey Christ's commands we are assured that we can depend on Christ's presence you know Matthew has talked about this in his gospel when, 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 when he is writing about the angel talking to Mary saying behold the, the, uh, when he is quoting from the prophet behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. So we can be encouraged by knowing that this mission is not based on who we are or what we can do. It is based on who He is and what He can do. It is based on the presence of Christ through His Spirit empowering His people. He calls us to a mission that is based on who He is. But sometimes... Sometimes we don't, we don't feel like that. Yeah, I can tell you that about preaching. There is never a moment that I feel that it's going to work for me. There, there, I, I always feel too weak for the task. We always feel like we are incapable. And you know what is interesting? That as years go by, people think, oh, you have been pastoring nine years. You should be, you know. 
You can preach in your sleep. No, I can't. <laughs> and you know what's interesting? That as years go by, you become more aware of your sinfulness, of your weakness, and of your need of Him. But we have that encouragement that His power is perfected in our weaknesses. And that He can use anybody, actually. He can use you. There's nobody that can say, no, the Lord cannot use me. Oh, He can and He will. When you heard that the Lord is with you, He is. And more so as you move toward fulfilling His will. We need to experience the power of His presence with us. Let us, be, let us be part of something bigger, something that requires not cleverness, not strategies, not, I'm going to do, no, no, no. It requires a supernatural strength. And He said, I'm going to give it to you guys. I, I'm, I'm willing to, to give that to you. Obedience to this command will not be easy. It is difficult, it is costly, it is not easy. As I told you before, to the people that might have abandoned the life they are living and bow down before the true king. We don't want to make a bad atmosphere or make people uncomfortable, but we should remember, he who has all authority, who sits on his throne, he who has overcome and lives and reigns forever, has told you and me to go and speak. And he, be, he will be with us always to the end of the age. So I want to encourage you, church, with that thought about where is our Lord now? He is in His throne. And we see in Scripture that He is interceding for us. That He has sent His Spirit for us not to be alone. So we have the presence of Christ. We're under His authority. We're, and we need to be willing to be part of this. To be part of this. And I remember that's one of the reasons that I, that, that I knew the Lord was that's giving me a heart to go into the ministry. Because when you're able to see that someone has been changed, not by you, but by the Lord using you, I was like, there's anything like that. There's nothing like it. To see that you speak on behalf of the great king, and he uses you to wake up somebody from death to life. Oh, that's so sweet and amazing. And he can use you to that end too. And I'm praying for you, church, to be able to say, I want to be part of that. I want to feel that too. What I want. Uh, and you were thinking, about, but, but look at my life. Look at, no. Think about that. Uh, our Lord, He knows and He invites you. Come to me. Come to me. Do you remember when He called the apostles? Were they already the ones that we know now? Has Peter reading any, any of his epistles? No, he was fishing. Maybe we're fishing now too. <laughs> You remember what happened with, with Paul and John Mark? Like, like nah, I'm not going to go with him. And later, he writes the Gospel of Mark. So in spite of your mistakes, of your weakness, of your past, of anything, you, you can go to him. He can restore you, and he can use you right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for for your word and for giving us a sense of your greatness. Oh Lord, we know that 
we, we need constant reminders because we are so prone to forget that you are in your throne, all reigning with all power, with all authority. You are subduing everything. And you have called us. It is amazing for me to think, oh Lord, that you don't need us, but that you use us. That you have loved us. That you have ransomed us. But not only that, you say, I can, I can use you to bring more people to me. And that we are a part, oh Lord, of this thing that you are doing about bringing all the nations under your feet. Help us, oh Lord, to be bold. Help us in the midst of our, of our lives to, to be able to see, okay, there's something bigger here that I want to be part of. And let us be a church that goes forward with this great commission under the authority of our all-powerful King. And it is in name that we pray. Amen.